Do you know what poor morale sounds like and how to fix it? Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join national presenter and consultant Rory Rowland as he discusses another aspect of powerful coaching and how it transforms people to improve your organization. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Hi, Rory. Paul, it is great to be here. Thank you, my friend. How are you? Man, if I was any better, it'd be two of me. All right. All right. That's what you need, right? Uh, we're going to explore the world of coaching again right. and uh, learn even more information. Absolutely. Um, I always like to ask you this question, and you always approach it in a different way, but right. I, I kind of want people to understand why are we even talking about coaching from the very beginning, and why you? Yeah, why me and why coaching? Yeah. I, I just had a friend of mine announce to me that he's retiring, and and I was like, uh, what What would I do? I have no desire to do that. I mean, I want to continue to coach people and work with them until you know the last breath is gone. So I just love doing this and the impact it makes for people. Um, the other day I was talking to a CEO and he had a serious problem with his CFO and I walked him through that process where he could in fact come to a solution and and he felt more in control and more impactful in his organization. So I love doing that. I, it geeks me up to see transformation and people have a sense of control in their life. And so after many years of consulting, training, mm-hmm. this is the topic that you um, are gravitate really excited to. about. Yeah, yeah, this is the one I gravitate to. When people ask me, you know, what's my wheelhouse now? This is the wheelhouse. So low morale. Right. I was listening to the opening right. as well. <laughs> That's our topic today. Right. What does poor morale sound like? Yeah. And, and it sounds like, you know, no one listens to me around here. They don't know what I do and they don't care what I think. And if you hear people saying that in your organization or if you hear whispers of that, guess what? You've got poor morale. Mm-hmm. And so the question uh, managers ask me then is how do I overcome that? You know, how do I overcome the, po- the poster child of poor morale and lackluster performance? Because no one listens to me around here. They don't know what I do and they don't care what I think. And if that's happening to your organization, then you've got to recognize it and overcome it. But there's a variety of reasons that that's happening. Let me ask you. Uh, sure. Now, how do you how would you find this out? Because that is usually something that an employee is not running to their manager let me rephrase mm-hmm. that. A team member isn't usually right. going to whoever's supposed mm-hmm. to be coaching them and tell them, uh, you guys don't think you like what I say. Um, yes and no. I mean, there are people out there that are, are, are so disgruntled and so upset that they will say it out loud to everyone in the organization. And that's almost helpful to find out. Right. It is helpful to find yeah. out. And, and here's what I find from managers. The first aspect of this is, you know, the decision tree, okay? You find out there's poor morale or there's somebody that's challenging you or there's somebody who's not working with you to manage your organization effectively, not being a good team member. So that's where you also see poor, poor morale. And so then that manager has basically that decision tree starts. Okay, I've got indications of poor morale or I've got an employee who's pushing back or an employee who's not being a team member. And those are all indications of poor morale or, or poor work performance. So then what do I do from there? How do I handle that going forward? And the, the key is with that is to truly look at from the perspective of, okay, you see this behavior, then how am I responding? How am mm, I, right. you know, what's my response to that? So do I, do I embrace uh, their perspective? Because what happens many times is people inherently push folks like that away. Right. Um, I had a CEO recently tell me they had a poor performer and they moved this person to a new branch. Uh, and I said, why did you do that? Well, you know, put them away from the problem. I go, they will, they will grow <laughs> yeah. the problem there. They will infect that entire organization. And that's what I liked about, you know, you've heard me talk about Ernest Shackleton. 
But Ernest Shackleton, when he, uh, you know, escaped on the Antarctic, he's one of the great Antarctic explorers. But when he escaped on the Ant- Antarctic, he they took a life raft. They had three life rafts. Their their boat, the Endurance, got crushed, and they had to escape. And and what he did is he took the two most negative people with him. Hmm. And the reason being is he didn't want them back on that island with the other 20-some people to infect it. He didn't want them to be—he wanted to bring them along. And the interesting thing that happened in that is he brought them along, and he had, I, had, I think he had six people that he took on that trip, 800 miles over the Antarctic Ocean, water colder than freezing, and, and took them with him. And the challenge they did is those two people that had the worst mindset, guess what? By the, end, by the time they had landed on the island to, to save them, those two were basically in the bottom of the boat, you know, just huddled up in a, a you know, pile of mass because their, their mindset was so bad. Their, their, their thinking was so negative mm. that they were doomed to die, and they just basically, you know, went to the bottom of the boat and almost, you know, for a few more days probably would have died, whereas Ernest Shackleton didn't want to leave them there. So one of the first things is if you've got somebody who challenges you, and this was what Ernest Shackleton did, bring them closer to you rather than push them away. Mm-hmm. And I know that's inherently not, uh, lo- you know, it doesn't seem yeah. logical. You know, I'm going to push the problem Seems a child away. counterintuitive. Sa- counterintuitive. But but it's really the way you do that because if you either either fire them or bring them closer to you, but don't move them someplace yeah. else. Because if you move them someplace else, they're going to be somebody else's problem. And that... that fungus is just going to grow there's there's no way it gets better Mm -hmm. poor morale doesn't improve on its own nor does a poor attitude or poor performance improve on its own you've got to address those issues so the first question you do is is then you know how do i get that you know how do i get that uh that person close to me how do i deal with that issue so here are some of the questions i think are important for managers to think about when they're dealing with this when they're dealing with that difficult um team member you know and and then how do i respond to it so the first question is, who has challenged me, and how do I react to it? Because and That's a good question. It's a great question, because if you react poorly to somebody who challenges you, then it, where's your ego at? You know, mm-hmm. is your ego so frail, so fragile? You know, you hear this concept of snowflakes, yeah. and, uh, and, and I was working with somebody recently, and, and I criticized their thinking. I said, you know, I, I really don't like that idea, mm-hmm. um, and I probably should have handled it in a much, you know, a much more careful way, but I just, you know, said what I thought. And he said to me later, he goes, oh, you know, you, you hurt my feelings. I said, of all the people in this organization, I'm surprised you're the snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean that to be rude, and I don't mean that to be insensitive. And he's a person that I could do that with. I would. He's the yeah. only person. I would, 299 out of 300 times, I would never say that to anybody. But he mm-hmm. was that one 300th person I could do that to. And I was surprised. And I said, okay, let's talk about that. And then he and I talked about it, and we're good. We're, we're all good. We're mm-hmm. on, same, you know, on the same himmel, same page. But who has, who has challenged you, and how did you react to it? I think it's an important key. Well, also the who could be maybe someone who knows that function more than you. or Oh, absolutely. You know, the, oh, this person knows what they're talking about. Maybe I should listen to them. Right. You know? You, the biggest mistake we can make as a, as a leader is thinking we're the smartest person in the room. Oh, right, right. If we think we're the smartest person in the room, we're in dangerous territory. <laughs> right. And, and that's the important key. And so the, another question to ask yourself is, once they've challenged you, how did I react? Did I become defensive or did I become curious? If we become defensive, we're just pushing back on their concepts. If we become curious, tell me more what your thinking is. Tell me more about your process. Because this is what Ernest Shackleton also did when he was going to make a major decision on how to escape the Antarctic without a boat, just on life rafts. Mm-hmm. He would bring those people who were the most critical 
and always the complainers and those kinds of folks. He'd bring them closer to him, and he would go uh, walk around the ice floe to have a, a talk with them and say, okay, I'm thinking about this. What do you think we should do? What's your process on it? How would you handle it? And even though he didn't know the, the official concepts of coaching, he knew to bring them closer to him and ask for their advice. And that can be challenging because that our ego is so caught up in all of that. Then how can we do that? Okay. And then, you know, did I embrace their comments or did I dismiss their comments? Did I ask the challenger questions on how they can be part of the solution? Am I being solution focused or problem focused? What solutions does the challenger bring or suggest? They may, in fact, have some realistic solutions, but let's say their, their solutions are unrealistic. Yeah. There's a reason why they're challenging the organization. They either want to be seen as smarter, they want to be seen as more critical uh, component of the team. There's something they want. And if we push them away, we don't understand what they're looking for, what they want to accomplish, what they want to achieve. And if we know what they want to accomplish, achieve, then guess what? We can use our skills as a manager, as a coach, to use that. You know, it, it's, it's like the ninja. If you've got somebody coming at you, a ninja doesn't attack them with equal force. What a ninja does is takes that energy and divert it. So they will, you know, somebody's running at a ninja and they will have them running at them. And they'll, what they'll do is they'll, you know, at that last second, step aside or that last second, they'll step aside and trip them. And so then they're using that attacker's energy against it's, the attacker mm -hmm. rather than trying to meet it with equal force. So how can I be a ninja manager rather than be, you know, pushing, pushing back, back on it? And I think that's just an, such an important mindset. So did I ask the challenger questions and how can they be part of the solution? What solutions does they, they suggest? I think there's great ideas. Did your questions or response improve morale or diminish morale in your shop? I think this is a great question to ask yourself. You know, did your response, did your ego get in the way yeah. so that you're not improving morale, you're actually diminishing morale because you go, well, I can't believe you, you challenged me or I can't believe you're being disrespectful or I can't believe you're doing this. That doesn't resolve anything. Mm -hmm. You've got to bring them in and to do that. Um, you know, did I feel disrespected? Did I feel, um, you know, did I feel like they were being more disruptive than than more disruptive than, than constructive? Yeah. On, I just on that one, I have a question is sure. that you, I mean, it sounds like you really want to try to focus on what they're saying and mm -hmm. try to understand what they're saying right. and show that person respect. What if that, if they do, they disrupt and they challenge in a really unprofessional, um, unproductive way. Right. You and, know, and in, in a way that is over the line. Right. Where, and, where you don't mm -hmm. want to say, oh, thanks for your feedback, because <laughs> it just. It's totally it, unprofessional. Yes. Right. Yeah. In those kinds of scenarios, if that does, in fact, happen, then you as a manager got to say, you know what? We've probably gone out of bounds here. How about you and I spend some time and we'll talk about this privately? And you mm. couldn't, I've seen managers at that point where things got disruptive and actually suspend the meeting with the entire team to bring that a person aside. Mm -hmm. Or they will, you know, conclude the meeting and then bring that person aside and say, okay, you know, tell me your perspective. Tell me what's happening. But they will also make it clear to them, guess what? We're going to be respectful and kind right. and, and courteous to people in this office. And if we cross that line, you know, we just can't. That's a really good technique because you're still telling that person hey i care about what you i care about what you say right you're but you're, but we're going to do it in a productive manner absolutely i mean there's there's nothing wrong with disagreeing with someone there is something seriously wrong with being disagreeable mm -hmm. and if they have to be heard by being disagreeable then there may be in fact a whole other issue and you have to get hr involved in that yeah that might be a whole another component but you know if you address it and they don't if they don't remain professional 
then that's a whole different right. perspective. And you lose you lose the battle if you start being disrespectful yourself. Absolutely. I mean, you completely lose it. Right. You know, because the key, your real strength is remaining calm in all those scenarios. That's the key of, of being successful is mm-hmm. remaining calm in all those scenarios. So, um, and then the other side of the coin is too, it's not enough just to have an open door. You must actively see, seek feedback, right. you know, by asking employees, what are you working on? How can I help you be more productive? As a manager, what is one thing that I could do that would help you and the team be better? I think those are great questions because you're basically challenging yourself as a manager. How can I help the team improve? How can I, how can I help the organization improve? Uh, 3M used to have a concept where, you know, managing by walking around. Yes. And you would have to go and walk around, but I'm not sure they taught them how to do it. And what you've got to do is truly ask questions. And so you can, uh, you know, kind of almost celebrate the challengers. Yeah, I wanted to ask that a little bit because it, my experience, anytime someone says that, hey, I always have an open door, they really don't. Right. You know, the manager by walking around and always being open to you right. has the real open door. Right. So it, my, how do you build that as opposed to the door, the physical doors open, but you're shut down? Right. I mean, and you may, I've never thought of it this way, but you've made such an interesting concept is managers who have an open door policy, but have you walked through your door? Right. You know, have you walked out of your door so there's, you don't have an open door policy? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm open to feedback right now because I'm not behind a door. Right. And I had never really thought about that, but I think that's a, that's a great concept. That's really what we're trying to say here is, is to do that. And so to celebrate that and then, and then to ask the person, you know, how can we, how can we be a, and going back to your point of when somebody challenges you, I think a great question that when they challenge you in, in, in public, and let's say they're being a little disrespectful and they're not being polite and kind and all of that mm-hmm. is to ask them the question, how does that behavior help us be better as a team? Yeah. You know, and the other side of the coin is to the question I ask myself all the time. And when I'm working with clients, I'm, every day I've got to, you know, let's face it, we, we didn't get the order we wanted at a store or whatever. We're at a restaurant. Will this behavior get me what I want? And I think that's such an important key in how we deal with, with folks. Um, like, I'll give you an example. Our family was out for a, a big dinner here, and we had 12 of us. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you, you know, it's hard to find 12, a 12-person 12 table. So we were waiting a long time. And they said it would be almost a 90-minute wait. So it's like, okay. So we're 45 minutes into it, and my wife says, could you mind checking in? So I went down there, and I said, okay, you know, what's the parameters? Well, we've only really got one table like that, and there were two people in front of you, and that's why it's about a 90-minute wait. Okay, could, are there any other parameters here? Could we, like, get into a, a 10-person table? Because we've really only got, you know, we've got 10 adults and two children. Mm-hmm. And, oh, well, if we got that, if, if we could put one of the kids on the long bench side, I said, oh, yeah, we can make that work. And then, you know, put the uh, high chair over here. And then she goes, oh, absolutely. Then we could use a 10-person table. And all of a sudden, so if you understand that person's constraints and their parameters and then say, okay, well, yeah, we could work with that. Then all of a sudden, what looked like an unsolvable solution, again, coaching, asking questions, Mm -hmm. finding out what the parameters are, and can we come to a solution that works for everybody? And I just think that's such an important key. And and what a concept – Maybe you can do uh, coaching for good parents. Because, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, does that um, reaction or that uh, activity help solve the problem? That's a great thing to say to kids. Not only does it solve the problem, but a bigger question is: Does it help that? In, does it help that in that child? 
right. become the child you want them to be. Mm-hmm. Does it get? How do you say? How do you say it before? Does it get the result you want? Right. Does it get the result you want? Yeah. And there's and I may have told this story before on the podcast. But it's a great story. And it's one of my favorite stories of a Nobel Prize winner. I, and I forget who he is. I would if anybody out there knows, uh, send me a note and say this is the Nobel Prize winner. But he uh, was a very young boy, and he dropped. Uh, uh, he wanted to go in. His mom was taking a nap, and he went in to get a glass of milk. And it was the you know back in those days, it was a you know a glass jar, and it was and the refrigerator was probably sweaty, and so he grabbed it and spilled a whole bunch of milk on the floor. Now, a lot of parents can be incredibly angry at that moment mm-hmm. and go, "Oh my God, I can't believe you did this," and blah blah blah, and really stifle the the the, the growth of that child. But his mother said, "Oh, we spilled the milk." Well, I bet it would be fun to play with the milk, which is really counterintuitive to being a parent, right? Mm-hmm. So she let them play in the milk, okay? Well, now we got to clean it up, so let's go ahead and clean it up, but never no anger in the process. And then she said, you know, I bet you would like to learn how to be able to pour milk out of a out of a glass, out of the, out of the milk jug. So let's take the milk jug. She poured the milk into another container, took the milk jug outside, went to the grass, filled it up with water, and then said, let's, let's uh, practice, practice pouring that milk. And so when he won his Nobel Prize, he told that story about how that moment changed his life. He didn't see he didn't see a mistake as failure throughout his remaining part of his life because of the way his mother handled that. So who would have thought that moment where a child spilled milk could actually lead to the moment where he in fact accepted his Nobel Prize and and then wow. said that was the impact. But if we as managers can use that mindset and not get angry when somebody challenges us right. and to then take that energy and to use it you know, either against them if they, if they so choose that to be the case or but use that energy to help propel the, or, you know, the group forward, I think that's a that's great powerful, way. It? It's an incredibly powerful way to lead, but it's counterintuitive. Yeah. And, and because we think when somebody challenges us, they, we think they're challenging us. What they're really challenging is our idea. And guess what? Our idea may, in fact, not be the best (laughs) one. They're not challenging you as a person, so don't take it personally. Mm -hmm. Put your ego aside. But whenever you think you're the smartest person in the room, that's the moment you make the mistake. Mm I call that the Enron error Mm -hmm. uh, because they had the book, you know, The Smartest Guys in the Room. Right. And that's the Enron error. That's when things completely blow up because your ego is more important than the organization. Your ego is more important than the team. And that's when you start to fail as a leader. Yeah. So I just think that's such an important key. And so, uh, you know, kind of wrapping up on this, you know, how do you bring your team together so they can soar? If you truly ask questions like I mentioned earlier, and I'm going to just go over those real quickly again so we can talk about that so your team will feel heard. And so when somebody challenges you, you know, who challenged, who challenged your thinking lately? How did you react? Did you become defensive or curious, which is an important key? Did you embrace their comments or dismiss their comments? Did you ask the challenger questions, how they can be part of the solution? What challenges, excuse me, what solutions did the challenger suggest? Did your questions and responses improve morale or diminish morale in your shop, which is an important key? Did, Did you feel disrespected? Did you focus on that disrespected feeling or did you probe further to truly understand where that challenger is coming from, what their questions mean and what their challenge means? And did you focus more on your ego or did you look for a solution that is optimal for the entire team? If you do that, if you ask those questions, then your team will be heard. Your team will understand what they do. They will know that you care enough 
to be challenged, but also to challenge them to be part of the solution. And this is, in fact, the solution to poor morale. You've said many times Mm -hmm. people don't quit jobs. They quit their uh, manager. manager. Mm -hmm. And morale has to be part of it. Absolutely. It has to be everything, right? That's one of the keys that you manage. You Mm -hmm. not only manage your team, but you manage the morale. Mm -hmm. And the way that you ask questions, the way you react, the way you respond, all has an impact on morale. And so... If you if you so if you want to do the you know that process if you want to really hear your team don't get caught up with the ego, listen to your team understand where they're coming from show them you care enough to be part of the solution and you want them to be part of the solution, and this is in fact the the solution to poor morale and do that and you do these steps and the morale in your shop will rise, the productivity will increase and your value as a leader will soar and that's really what I want people to yes. do is soar as leaders. That's right. Well, excellent. Great information. Thank you so much. How can mm-hmm. people get a hold of you to Absolutely. learn more? They can come to RoyRoland.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-O-W-L-A-N-D and also CoachingManager.University. So uh, we've got that up and running and we've got actually a 52-week program that we do there. So if you want to learn how to coach more effectively, uh, you can do that and, and learn more about how to do this. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join us next time for another discussion about the power of coaching. This has been a KCTK production produced by Paul Lavoda and Rory Rowland. For more information and content, visit RoryRowland.com.